We spend a lot of our time talking about content marketing, defining the best strategy, writing great content, measuring the results. But what seems to get lost in the conversation is how we implement the strategy and how we scale it. The execution of a well-defined content strategy is called content operations. It's a combination of people, processes, and technology. Kathy McKnight, VP of Strategy and Consulting at the Content Advisory, took some time to walk me through what's involved in setting up scalable content operations. Here's that conversation. After you kind of talked about it with me when we did that podcast for Content Matters, I, I kind of was the first time I'd ever heard of it, which maybe should be odd for me, considering what I do. But, but since then, I've seen it in a lot of different places. Like Kapost is talking about it, Gather Content is talking about it. Like lots of people are talking about the idea of content operations and setting and setting it up. You know, like what exactly does it mean, and and why why are we talking about it all of a sudden? It's because it sounds like something we should have been doing all along. Well, you know, it's funny because I think. Companies have been doing it. They just haven't called it content operations. Um, so a lot of the organizations that I go into, while not all of them have a content strategy, many of them do, or, they, or they're starting to. Um, and really, content operations is the execution of the content strategy, right? So it's, they may not be using content ops as a succinct term, but they are trying to figure out how, how and what their content strategy is and then how they're going to implement it. And I mean, really, that's what content operations is. It's a, it's a collection of, of elements, people, process, technology, which we, you know, we hear across the board when we talk about anything um, content related or marketing related sometimes, content marketing related at least. Um, and... Uh, you know, getting them, getting those elements to work effectively, but it's not only about tying those pieces together, it's about tying them together such that they can actually scale them. Because a content strategy will start, should start small and, and get your hands around it. Yeah, there's always, it's always great to have a, a, a BHAG, but you know, you, you've got to set yourself up for success and you've got to get the basics right. There are so many organizations that I work with that, I mean, they're talking about, they're looking so far forward in their, their content capabilities that they're, they're missing you know, that first step, which is being able to effectively just manage your content, be able to create, edit, post, take off, sunset, archive, access, revive, all of those basic 101 things, they're all caught up in the, you know, the bright and shiny that we hear from vendors. Um, and that's one of the things I'm hearing. It's, it's funny, it's vendors, and you mentioned, you know, you rhymed a bunch off. They're the ones talking about content operations, which right. is really interesting because their technolo technology often complicates things as opposed to facilitates. Why do you think they, well, so first of all, content strategy itself, how do you define it? Because I've heard that defined a couple of different ways and I want to make sure that I'm kind of thinking of the way you're thinking of it. Yeah. So for me, content strategy is, you know, what are your goals for your content? What are you trying to treat, achieve? Right. Um, and then, like I said, content ops is how you execute against that. So it's, um, you know, are you, are you using content marketing? How are you using social? Um, you know, who's the target audience? 
have you done things like personas and journey mapping? Um, do you have a social program? You know, are you doing active campaign? Are you doing content marketing? All of those kind of things. Um, and it really is content strategy is where content ops should begin. Right. But they're not the same thing. Um, content operations really are the people process and technologies that allow an organization to implement its content strategy. Um, to, I mean, it sounds so basic, but to effectively and efficiently produce content and deliver content. So if it's people process and technology, let's break those things down kind of sure. in what are the key things in each of those elements of the strategy? Well, everybody always wants to jump to technology, right? It's the panacea. It's, you know, it, it will solve all of your woes according to all of the vendors out there. And no doubt it absolutely is a facilitator. Um, because using technology, a company can, you know, transform itself. It can take all of those ad hoc, um, efforts and pull them into a streamlined strategic workflow, um, that can be measured, that can be analyzed, that can be optimized, um, when you're doing things one off. And, you know, again, there are companies who have these literally kick-ass workflow uh, programs available to them, whether it's within a content management system or a product management system, that kind of thing. And they're still doing stuff via email. Their ideation and editing process is still being run through Outlook or Gmail or whatever tool they're using, right? As opposed to putting it in a system that can be monitored and audited. This is particularly important when you look at content operations for a, um, a regulated industry. So healthcare, finance, that kind of thing where everything has to be measurable. You have to be able to track and see who touched what piece of content um, so that if something goes awry or they get audited, they're able to show that. Um, And that's where technology comes into play um, to be able to support not only the regulated elements that have to happen, but also just from an efficiency perspective so that everybody's looking at the same thing and knows who's who's commented or approved or, or that kind of thing, but also from a... Um, you know, from a, to, to segue into talking about people so that there's a backup plan, right? So that people can get assigned uh, clear roles and responsibilities, not job titles, but roles and responsibilities within that content operations element. Um, and that they can be backed up and they can be replaced when people, you know, progress to another job within the organization or move on to another organization. Um, again, you know, the, the people process or the people part of, of content ops is about defining roles and responsibilities across the organization because it's not, it's not a marketing thing. It's not a content teams thing. Um, true content operations is a, a across the board thing. And you really, really need to make sure um, that there's a strong leader who has the purview and the authority and quite frankly, the, the political uh, poll to be able to get it done because good content ops means that you're effectively using your subject matter experts, right? Which means you have access to them. It means that you're not getting pushed aside by IT um, to improve something because you're not high on the pecking order or because they have different perspectives. Um, it means that you're connected with you know, marketing is connected with teams that they may not be otherwise, things like R&D, so that they know what's coming down the pipe, or the CX team. Um, 
and that kind of thing. So it, it really is a cross-functional, cross-silo uh, type of, of tool that a company needs in order to, to really meet their customer experience and, and expectations. Does it, does it typically come out of marketing, though, even though it's not a pure marketing operation? Um, it often starts in marketing, to be honest, and, and that could be because those are some of the individuals most often that we deal with, that, you know, that, that I deal with from a company perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as ownership, sometimes I've seen it sit with digital, you know, if they have a different, uh, you know, a digital team versus a, um, a marketing team, I've seen it sit with the PMO, which I like because mm-hmm. they're organized and they know how to work across an organization. Um, and they're not myopically focused on one thing, right? From a, a PMO perspective, they look at the organization typically holistically. Um, yeah. The person who owns the PMO, not necessarily, you know, you're going to have different work streams because you're going to have project managers that maybe focus on technology things. You're going to have other things that focus on admi- more administrative or uh, logistical but from a head of a PMO, if, if they, they're a good one, then they understand, they're one of the people in the organization who understand the organization best because right. they see across the organization. All right. So then process, I guess, is all the things that you do, right? Exactly. And, and process is, you know, to get the right team together um, and get the roles and responsibilities, you know, there's a lot of political things going on there and you know, a lot of times uh, companies are not, they're not aware of what they have within the organization. Um, so I've worked with several organizations where we've done a skills audit, you know, like from a, from a content perspective, like what do you have in house? What do people know how to do? Not what they're doing today, but what do they know how to do? Because um, we often get pigeonholed and we keep doing the same thing, even though we, we know how to do other things or could be doing other things. Um, and then from a process perspective, this is one of, I find one of the most difficult from a change management perspective, because people get stuck in, well, we've always done it that way and it works and mm-hmm. change is hard. Nobody ever said, yay, change, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, changing a process gets a fair bit of pushback because it's, it's uncomfortable. Um, and because, People will question, some will get it, some will say, absolutely, we need to change this. Um, but it, it really is um, part and parcel from a, cha- from a change management perspective. A lot of time needs to be spent on that. And they need to be tested. Um, you know, roles and responsibilities, you can, you can sort of evolve softly and um, start sharing things and, and moving things over and whatnot. And there's somebody there who knows how to do it typically because you know, you're just re- you're rejigging. Um, but, but process, you, know, y- you wanna make sure that it gets out of the gate correctly. It may not be optimized, most often it isn't, mm-hmm. but that takes time. Um, and sometimes you gotta start from scratch and you know, you've gotta take things away from people. So you need to, you know, content is not going to be approved unless it goes through X workflow system kind of thing. And even for those, those, the people who aren't interacting with the content often, you know, maybe it's an approver, maybe it's an SME, is, is how do you integrate them seamlessly as possible into the process so that they, they buy into it? So it's not like, ugh, I'm not doing that. 
right? It, it, you need to, to smooth the water, so to speak. That sounds like a really hard thing to do. <laughs> it is. It's a very hard thing to do. Yeah. So it's, it's not centralized. It works across the organization. Correct. But the, pro- the processes are, are their process that says everybody needs to do things in this way. So it doesn't matter if you're a writer at a marketing or a, a content creator at a sales, you have to follow the same process. That's, that's what you're saying, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So all of those people who, you know, people were giving, making exceptions for, um, you know, you've, you've slowly got to pull back on those exceptions Yeah. or rip off the bandaid. I've seen it done both ways. That sounds painful. So, um, so, but there's no, so technology wise, there's no one technology that can do all of this, right? No, it's a consolidate. It's a, it's a consolidation conglomeration of, of technology. So you're tying in your content management system, your digital asset management system, your CRM, your, your data collection from wherever. So where are you aggregating that data so that you can apply analytics against it? I mean, you have tools like, Contently and Capost and, and whatnot, but then even the traditional CMSs, um, you know, Sitecore, some of the digital asset management systems like Style Labs, all claim in one way or another to be able to manage your content ops. Really, it's about connecting them in a logical way. And I'm seeing a lot of organizations put um, a workflow management and resource management tool on top of these things so that they're they're uber connected. Um, and, and linked and it smooths out the process. So you're not trying to, you know, force fit three other workflows to meld in with like a site core. And I'm, that comes to mind because I was just talking about symposium. So I'm not picking on them in particular. Yeah. Um, and, you know, things like Contently where you can get, you can go out and get resources for content, you know, it ties it together nicely. Um, you, you talked about this idea of a content center of excellence. Like, yep. can, you, can you give me some examples of companies doing it well? Sure. Uh, doing it well? Um, actually, 3M does it really well. There's a couple of others, which uh, I won't throw out that. 3M, the, the case study's out there, so you can, yeah. <laughs> you can take a look at it. Yeah. Um, but I'm actually working with two large international companies right now to set up their, their CCOEs, their content centers of excellence. Um, and each of them have taken a different approach. So one of them is doing it regionally. We're taking baby steps where right now we're focused on a couple of small, like a, a, a small subset of their markets. They divided their, they divide their business, their global business into markets. So we're looking at more of the, the lower level, smaller, uh, less self-sufficient markets to support them, to be able to bring them up to an ability to have access to content that right now they're sort of getting handoffs. Um, you know, they're often the, the, the lesser because they're not a primary focus for the business, not because they're, they're not valued, but because they're not the ones creating the revenue right now. So we're right. working out the bugs for them with them, and then we're going to roll it out to the, to the bigger markets. But I also have another client where they're going big bang, they're ripping off the bandaid. So, you know, we've, we've done the roles and responsibilities and defined the job descriptions um, the, the technology is in place more or less, you know, there's always going to be tweaks and, and things. Um, and we're working on process now. So it's, there's no one right way of doing it. The important thing is to start, right? So even if you start as an individual team, a, a marketing team or a content team, and you get stuff sorted out 
within yourselves and then start bringing in your internal partners, the other silos that cross and build it out and build it out. Um, kind of like a, a tree grows, right? You just get bigger and bigger and bigger. You know, that's okay. It doesn't have to be all, all or nothing. Going, going back to your, your, your last question, the, you know, setting up content operations and what are the steps? It's, it's about getting aligned, not necessarily just, not necess not at all just around your content strategy and goals, but it's about getting aligned with business priorities. What's the organization trying to do? Uh, there's, there's nary a, a business out there, small or large, whether they're calling it this or not, that isn't focused on customer experience, that aren't thinking about it. Some of them aren't doing a very good job about it, but they're at least thinking about it, right? Because even the small mom and pop, they, if they're not, they should be checking on Yelp for a review. They should be seeing what their, their NPR is, right? Their, um, uh, not NPR. <laughs> NPS, yeah. net promoter score, yeah. not NPR. Uh, they're not going to the radio and uh, and looking into things like that. So they need. So what is the business priority? What is the organization trying to achieve? And you know, making sure that when they start thinking about content ops, that you know, one of the first things they should do is look at who impacts content. So look at the big picture, even if they're not going to tackle it from a big picture perspective, but understand the breadth of content and how it impacts the entire business. Whether it's somebody creating content, using content, influencing content, in, inputting to content, so it's something like an SME, um, or leveraging the data from the content, like an R&D team, on you know, how does that interact? What does that ecosystem look like? So that people are included, so that they're being talked with. Um, one of the things that I do from a requirements gathering perspective is it's never just the usual suspects. I never, never, ever, ever go in and just talk to content, the content team or just the marketing team. You know, we talk to the sales team, we talk to the leadership, we talk to admin, we talk to ops to get a sense on what their perspective is. You know, what does content mean to you? How is customer experience? What does that mean for you? How do you contribute to it? How do you see your role impacting the overall business priorities so that you're going at it, not from a myopic perspective, but with a, a much bigger view of, of content and how it impacts the organization. Does it take a long time? Like when you, I mean, you have to go in and talk to so many different <laughs> groups of people, like it must take a while just to kind of get that initial kind of overall view. Yeah, it does. It, it really doesn't have to. It can happen relatively quickly. You know, we go in and work with organizations and to, to get something like this, um, like a, a plan or an overview, you know, six to eight weeks. But it, it, it just starts with a conversation. So you start talking with people today and set up, you know, tick off the boxes. Who do you need to talk to? Okay, you know, and you go through and you talk to all of them. And, you know, as you're, as you're going through, you spend an hour a day. Okay, what are the technologies that are impacted? And what are the processes we need to consider? And, you know, what are we missing from a team perspective, roles and responsibility? And it can be done quite, quite easily, I would say, from a, a planning perspective to get going. I'm not saying by any stretch of the imagination that's an easy thing to do or, or achieve or, or really get implemented, but it's about picking a street and, and starting, right? And then, so when you look at teams, you, you'll see, you know, these are the roles and responsibilities we need and here's what's missing in the company now that you might need to either bring someone up who has the skill and they don't, you don't know it, or you have to bring someone new in to kind of help out. 
Yeah, and, and often the most efficient way, um, of course, as a consultant, I'm going to say this, but the most efficient way of doing it is to have somebody else come in because you've got 14 other things to do on your 10 item to-do list and this becomes one more thing, right? Somebody tasks you with it or you see that it's a, um, a thing that needs to get done. By bringing in someone, even if it's just for a day of advisory to provide direction, they've been there, done that, so they can help you jump over a few steps and get you sorted out even if you're going to execute it on your own right okay I'm a big proponent of of bringing in those who know uh, I, we do you know like if there's an area that a client is looking for I'm not going to try and fudge it I'm going to bring in somebody who knows that area which I think makes a lot of sense because it makes things go faster and smoother not necessarily faster but smoother and people have their specialties I guess that can really bring that to the table Right. Um, are there are there certain roles that you absolutely need to have, other than the one who leads the content operations? Um, I think every organization is going to be different. Um, I think you need team leads, so um, people who understand the different components. So content itself, customer experience, technology, project management is huge. I think that is one area many organizations don't pay enough attention to. Uh, they think that, um, oh yeah, you know, you can, you can do this. But to really get this out, you need someone owning and running it. And then the leader who owns it is not gonna be the, the person day to day making sure this is moving forward. You know, you've gotta have someone who's, this is their job to see it happen. Okay. And you know, I would say for the first year to two, this is a full-time gig. Getting this going, this is a full-time gig. Does it work just as well? Like, like I mean, when you, you're talking about it, mostly it sounds like you're talking, you work, you work with large enterprise companies, but can a, does it, is it benefit, obviously it's beneficial to a small company, but there must be a, a not a simpler, simpler way to set one up, but a less complex one, I guess. Well, Which, yeah, so there's, there's different, you can, I mean, you can certainly do it company-wide, but there's also things you can start with focusing on a particular area of content right? So maybe it is just the content production. So getting content out the door. So you're not, you're not actually doing the creative, it, the creative process isn't part of this. It's somebody wants, you know, they know they need um, a video, let's say for product launch. Um, so they come to the CCOE and say, okay, we need a pro we need a video. Great. What are the requirements? Who's the audience? When does it need to be done by, um, et cetera, et cetera. And then they, the CCOE then says, okay, great. Here's three vendors that we would use for this. What's your budget? Blah, blah, blah. Sorry. And yeah. And then, so they're facilitating, right? So then they hand it off to um, either a local project manager or the vendor. It gets done. They go through all of the reviews and cycles to the point where they're happy with it. Um, it comes back to the CCOE to make sure that from a brand perspective, from a standards perspective, it meets all that, you know, they would be checking in periodically mm -hmm. and then it, it gets the approval. Yes. They take care of putting it where somebody else can use it. So in a digital asset management system or archiving system, and then, you know, that unit goes off and uses the video, but then it's accessible to everyone. So you can break it down and start small 
um, and you don't have to own the entire content enchilada where you're running production, where you are uh, contributing to the creative, where you are doing all of those things, where you're, you're more of a workflow facilitator as opposed to the keeper of the entire kingdom.